0: In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast here is Derek thomas hi matt Derek thomas monday morning critic how are you
1: good how are you doing
0: so i have a few questions before we get into this wonderful wonderful documentary um i don't know about you but i'm sick of the singer the tight end the two brothers both uh i'm just happy the super bowl isn't two out of three i'm just really i'm done with all of it i'm done do you feel the same way am i just turning into the old dad of get off my lawn Am, am i the old guy
1: now Oh, I don't. I don't know if I can pass judgment on you, but I, I I'm endlessly fascinated by all of this. And you know, look, I have, I have little kids, and um, I think that, you know, I'm not really even a Swifty, but um, I, I think it's great for the NFL. It's great for the sport, and the more people that can be excited about stuff, the better. That's that's my take. But um, I don't know.
0: That's the half full take. It probably more people agree with you than agree with me, but uh I get that. Um, you know, and the other thing I want to tell you was how fascinating Tiger was the documentary you directed oh, in twenty twenty. Um the ending of that documentary when he's walking off the course and you can hear Earl's voice and he's walking off with his own child. Oh my God. Like that's one of those things you can just rewatch a thousand times and get emotional each time.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That's very nice of you to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that came at a tough time, right? A lot of people were in, I think 2021 was maybe the tail end, but people were inside, they were watching a lot of TV. So almost, the placement was almost perfect for that. So that's great. Um, let me ask you this. Are you surprised Belichick doesn't have a team in 2024?
1: Well, I, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> not 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 that much, but not because of anything bad about Belichick. I just think, you know, you look back at even when Tom left the team in 20 uh, 2020, You know, there are stories that have come out now about how he wanted to go to the 49ers and he wanted to go here and he wanted to go there and all these people passed up on him and, you know, sort of, I say all this to say nothing really surprises me anymore. Right. I think Bill is an incredible coach and I think that he had so much to do with this dynasty uh, and everything and creating a culture and obviously all of his, what makes him such a football genius beyond that. So, you know, I'm sure at some point in time, he'll find a home.
0: Yeah. Do you see similarities? You mentioned Tom. Do you see similarities between Earl Woods and Tiger and Tom and Tom Sr.? Do you see any similarities there as far as how they were raised, how they view sports?
1: I will tell you this. One behind the scenes thing is when we were interviewing Tom Sr., what I saw was a a father who... Loved his son to, and continues to love him in a way that I don't think many children are fortunate enough fortunate enough to have. And so, I, there were multiple people on the set that day when we interviewed Tom Senior that came up to me and said, "Oh, I wish he was my dad." Hmm. And um, it was it was a moving uh, it was moving for all of us who were there. I think there's a lot of ways that they're not alike at all either, right? right? And Earl is an incredibly complicated guy. Um, but the thing that really where they overlap is they had great great love for their children and supported them in every way they possibly could and I think the same sort of I'm going to give up everything to make sure my son has all these opportunities and make sure the second I come home, I roll up my sleeves and go take them to the ballpark or whatever, you know, or to the driving range. That's all there. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Tom Sr. is a really remarkable person. And the entire Brady family is also, I mean, the fact that they even, um, you know, were willing to, to sort of come and talk to us. and And I think when people watch this thing, they're going to find that they're all very um honest and revelatory and a lot of the things that they talk about
0: it's an awesome awesome dog i mean I, I i loved it and i can't wait to watch it again when it pops off i mean it is really really fascinating and as somebody who lives an hour away from foxborough i maybe i'm a biased opinion but i think every football fan everyone who loves storytelling would appreciate this thing i think it's really beautiful
1: well i appreciate you saying that because i think that was one of the things that i and my team of people that i worked with to make this thing really focused on Right? Is that you know, yes, obviously it's going to be about the Patriots and yes, it's going to be about their great success. It's also going to be about all the things that happened, you know, Spygate, Deflategate, Hernandez, um, you know, the dynasty unraveling sort of a unvarnished warts and all telling of the story, but it's also a deeply human story, right. At its core. And, And that's to me, the best kind of storytelling. And so, I think we all really focused on that and wanted to say, okay, here we have access to these guys that a lot of them have never really gone on the record before. Or when they did, they did it through their own lens, right? Like Bill had a book that was written about him. Tom had his own docu series, but those are very specific lenses to view this story. So instead of doing it that way, let's get a collection of people together and ask them all of the questions, the, the, the ones about their great successes, the ones about, you know, the scandals, the warts and all. But what you find in it is these guys, people are just like us. They're going through really complicated things like feeling like they've been betrayed or feeling as if they're passed over facing their mortality for the first time. All of this stuff, and and yes, they're doing it on the biggest stage possible. But it is very similar to what a lot of us go through, and and I sort of think of it like, you know, Shakespeare, but with footballs. Yeah, um, yeah. because it is mm-hmm. human. It is it, and that's sort of like like I said, you know, that's what I love about storytelling, and those are the kind of stories I like to watch to read. To consume and hopefully uh people see that when they watch this thing
0: yeah who you managed to get is pretty fascinating you've got, you got quite the ensemble of people that people are going to see when they watch this um you know what i you know it brought it brought back a lot of memories for me you know the patriots were destroyed for camera gate, destroyed mm. and i'm watching michigan and connor stallions he's almost hailed as a hero boy mm. how the times have changed because as a patriots fan we were tormented. I mean, and I'm not saying it's right. Like, it, it, they we paid the price. I should say we Patriots paid the price, but my God, Connor Connor Steins was only doing the same thing, he was on the sideline of Central Michigan, taking a play out of Bobby Valentine's playbook. Like, oh my goodness. And that's one of the things I love about this documentary the memories. It's like, oh my God, that. Oh, then there was this. So, whatever you wanted to say on that,
1: Matt. Well, no, look again. <clears throat> I think what I what I always want to do, no matter what the subject matter is, is to make things nuanced and complex. So I wanted to also give people an understanding about why. You know, I wanted to, to put the audience into the locker room uh, after that scandal had broke, yeah, and let them watch Bill Belichick address the team and and what he actually said to them about it. But I also wanted to present it in a way where you know, it's not like I'm trying to tell you this is right or wrong. This is a, this is not a morality tale. This is not like, this is, I'm not trying to tell people how you should feel about the Patriots or anything like that. This is, these are the people that were there, listen to them tell the story and we're going to present all sides of it. And, and, and we're going to not just do it for the sake of presenting all sides, but do it in a way that's fair and right and say, you make up your own mind and, um, I think when you're telling a story like this that people think they understand because it's been covered a lot, I think that's the most important thing you can do.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. You know, it's amazing because B- Belichick's always tormented for the way he treats the media. But some of them around here have been absolutely terrible to him, even when he was winning these Super Bowls. They've been horrible. And then they're stunned when he's he gives them the same type of treatment in return. So it's like it's fascinating. The behind-the-stuff scenes is fantastic. I'm like, how did you get that? How do you? He... So you did a great job in, in in that regard as well, Matt.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Um, so the other thing I want ask you was, you know, Brady's roots in Michigan. You know, um, what he went through Michigan. How much of that you think plays into who he was as a player? You know, never having that official starting job, he starts swinging off the same way. You know, he's never really viewed as the guy. That do you, do you think his Michigan roots gave him that that kind of or that was played into the equation?
1: Well, I mean, if you listen to the people we talk to in the story, I think they certainly feel that way, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason that we put it in the place that we did. You know, we, we could have you could tell this story in a chronological way, right? Where you start off and it's, um, you know, Tom Brady's born in San Mateo or you know wherever, and and then you sort of see him grow up, and then you see Robert Kraft grow up, and you see Bill Belichick grow up, yeah. and then you, you know, and then you tell this thing in a very linear, chronological way. What we were trying to do is to obviously listen to these guys tell their story, but then also find things in their past that elucidated what was going on in the present day story. So, for example, in the first couple episodes, a great example of that is Bill's on the precipice of making this incredibly difficult decision about whether or not he should move on from Drew Bledsoe or he should he and and stay with Tom Brady because Drew had just come back from this horrific injury and was ready to play. And so at that to to me and to the people we were I worked with to make this story, we felt like that was a great time to bring in the Cleveland story, where he moved on from another quarterback, and we see we sort of see how it went. Similarly, with Tom, we show in I think it was two thousand fourteen, um, Garoppolo comes in, right, and Bill has now sort of drafted his the eventual heir, and then how does that make Tom feel in that moment? Uh, And then we sort of move a little bit further ahead and we get into the 2016 season where Tom has to leave to go serve his four-game suspension for Deflategate. And we've already seen Tom be injured and have to grapple with the idea of the show moving on without him when he's forced to be out of the game. So that coupled with the fact that the the heir to the quarterback throne is now coming into play some of those games how does that make tom feel and and then that was a perfect place to come in and say let's go back to one of these earlier moments in tom's career where he felt like the perpetual underdog right and the person who was always being passed over even in michigan even when tom you know climbed the depth charts from like the seventh string quarterback to the guy who was going to start he was still, you know, the, the the coach went with this shiny new thing that had come in. And we, and you know, Tom would get ahead in the game, and then this other guy would be put in, and then they'd fall behind a little bit, and then Tom would have to be um, you know, to come back in to sort of rescue them at times. And then right after he leaves Michigan, he goes to the draft and he's not picked until 199 in the draft, and that's how he sort of starts. And so, you know, I think that informs a lot, but it also informs it sort of sets the table in a lot of ways for the end of the dynasty, right? In the Mm -hmm. midst of all of this, he goes up against the Falcons. He's down 28 to three. A lot of people are whispering about how he's done, that he doesn't have the arm strength anymore. And he pulls off, in my mind, forget sports, just as an outsider who didn't know the story very well, that is just, that is like, incredible cinema. I mean, you, you have the, you have like the karate kid poster behind you, right? That to me is, you know, that's, that's that crane kick at the end. That's
0: a great analogy. Good for you. That is a good analogy.
1: And you know, those are the things that we grew up watching as kids for me uh, that made me fall in love with stories and filmmaking and things like that. It's the, the kid who's the underdog who's always cast out and isn't supposed to be where he is. And he overcomes all of that and he goes up against the big bad bully and, you know, he learned, you know, and it's like that moment where, you know, in the Karate Kid where he does that and then his mom and Elizabeth Shue run out and they Mm -hmm, hug him mm -hmm. and Mr. Miyagi is doing the thumbs up and the nodding and everything. That's that's to me as good of storytelling as you get in a lot of ways. Um, And I look at that. 28 to three comeback with the, with the, against the Falcons for Tom, as this guy who we've set up throughout an entire episode is the ultimate, you know, like Daniel, the ultimate underdog story. Everybody's doubting him, including his coach. And he pulls that off. It's just to me, like I said, getting to watch that episode be built by the editors uh, for the first time, I was like, oh, this is, this is the stuff that made me want to make movies in the first place and just really, really fun to watch it all, you know, come together and to tell the story, um, you know, this 20 year story over 10 episodes.
0: No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, to, to piggyback on that, you know, it, it's funny because you mentioned Miyagi and you, you, when you hear Brady talk about Belichick, anytime after his career, he always gets emotional. He's never like, yeah, he was, he always gets choked up. He's always mm-hmm. got a tear. So to piggyback on that, you know, um, one of the things that I, I really wanted to ask you was, you know, I, I know that the, the documentary is definitely told down the middle. It's not told with any type of bias. Um, but but do you have personal opinions? So in other words, we mentioned the flight gate earlier, you know, Brady gets four games, teams fine, two draft picks, and then you have like a Deshaun Watson situation where he's given just about the same number of games for a much more serious offense or offense is. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like during this whole thing, it reminded me again, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or make him look bad, but just the just the just the kind of shooting from the hip whatever goes godell mentality of how he punishes people i mean that's the one and i'm not i'm not trying to bait you into saying anything bad about anybody but it just doesn't make sense to me some of this stuff that 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 the documentary makes you as a fan makes you live through things again that's one of the things that was very confusing for me and that that in particular
1: yeah i'm not sure i think one of the things that we wanted to point out in the deflate gate episode was the was the absurdity of the entire thing on all sides right Mm -hmm. this was not we were not going to tell the deflate gate story from the lens of did he or did he not is he guilty or you know it it just wasn't the lens because the more and more we talked about it the more and more we looked into it i think what fascinated me was how much this became a national story and there's a great moment in that episode by the way where you look at the Today Show and they lead, or I don't know if it's the Today Show, it's one of the morning shows. Right. Anyway, they lead with this idea of, um, they, the first story is the gate. and gate. And then a few stories down the road, they start to talk about you know ISIS. And it was like, in, and when I saw that clip, I thought, okay, our country <laughs> was so consumed by whether or not this guy let air out of a football that they thought that was a more important story than what was going on with ISIS, and and once I saw that clip, that was the thing for me. It was it's about the absurdism of this entire thing, and just like and so let's bring the audience back into that world. And and again, I I appreciate your question. I have no idea what the right or the wrong thing to do yeah. is here, but I wanted to sort of put people into the sort of circus that was created around this story, and again, let people decide what they think of what we as a culture and consumers of media did in this situation cuz obviously we're all as guilty as anybody else is cuz yeah. they wouldn't do it that way if we weren't wanting to consume it that way. So that that's the thing that I found interesting about this.
0: That's that. a great point. I'll I'll end with this. You know, there's two quick things. One is I think the laziest narrative on the planet is, is that, oh, Brady would have done it without Belichick or they both Mm -hmm. needed each other. It's the laziest narrative because Brady didn't trade for Moss. He didn't draft Gronk. I mean, we can go on and on. They both needed each other. That's, Mm -hmm. and I think the documentary for me confirmed that. Last question, what or who surprised you most in making this? What's, I mean, that's probably really an unfair question because there's so much went into it, but maybe one of the things or a person that you were not ready for with outside of Tom Brady's dad, which we,
1: which was a great comment. Um yeah. but we'll end with that. Sure. Um, I would say two people really that I felt honored to 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 get to know and to interview multiple times. The first was Ernie Adams, the director of football research. Yes. <laughs> and he is um, you know, in an interesting way, somebody who I don't think whether even diehard Patriots fans know all that much about. And, you know, when I started to read up about him people described him as this sort of mystical figure that nobody really knows. They call him the man behind the hoodie and this friend of Belichick that nobody really understands.
0: If, if Brady is if Brady is Daniel from Karate Kid, Ernie Adams is Yoda from Star Wars.
1: <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I love
0: that. Very love mystical. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. but No, God, no, sorry.
1: no. It's great. It's great. I never thought of it that way. That's that's fantastic. Um. So getting to know him and getting to talk to him over the course of 15 plus hours, I think he gave us great insight into the team, but also he's just so charismatic and good on camera. And um, I've been teasing him pretty much the entire time we were making this thing that uh, people are going to wake up and start realizing that you need to be on a network somewhere doing, <laughs> doing getting your insight into football commentary. The other person is Scott Pioli, who... Again, you know, he was the director or the vice president of player personnel, something like that, you know, the, yeah. the de facto GM of the Patriots for right. many of those years. Um, and both of those guys hadn't really done a lot before about the Patriots and and had been left out in many ways of the Patriot history, even though they were so integral to creating the foundation with Bill and Tom and Robert. And so I think both of those guys were fascinating and I'll never forget interviewing um Scott and he talked about how he was on the podium with you know that they have at the end of the Super Bowl and it was at the end of the Eagles Super Bowl in I guess the date would have been 2005 but it was the 2004 2005 season they had just become a dynasty they won 3 out of 4 years And he's sitting there and he's looking around and he starts to have these thoughts about things like addiction to winning and how the game is like a narcotic. And I remember him saying that to me for the first time and just thinking like, oh, this is this is just it was just fascinating to sit there and listen to him speak. And, you know, a few days later. We were all sitting around talking about it, and I think we came to the conclusion that that idea, that concept was going to be a major pivot point in the telling of this story. And so, you know, there's so many people, though, that gave so much of their time, and I'm going to leave somebody out, but, um, you know getting to talk to all of these guys is just fascinating and and again to hear what it was like to be in the rooms when all of those decisions were made that led to incredible successes right six super bowls in 20 years three other you know visits to the super bowl that ended up in losses um but also the, you know these were the guys that were there when this all started to fall apart and for them to be as candid and revealing as they were uh, about why that happened. Um, I just feel honored to be able to tell the story and to, um, you know, uh, have them put faith in me that, you know, I would do it the right way.
0: Matt, you're an amazing storyteller. I love, love, love your work. February 16th, the New uh, Dynasty New England Patriots, uh, Apple TV Plus. Thank you, my friend. I hope you come back on down the road. Thank you. All right, thank you. you for listening to derek thomas and monday morning critic podcast if you enjoyed this episode you can also connect with monday morning critic on instagram and facebook mdm critic on twitter subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever podcasts are found all episodes available www.mmcpodcast.com